Welcome, everybody. This is Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. My name is Brent Kuhlman, and I'm here with Adam Moline and Clint Poppy. Gentlemen, good to be with you. Yeah, good to be here. Happy day. Happy days are here again. Yes, it's good to be here. Thank you. Yeah, we've, uh, we've, we're concluding our study of the commandments. We're going to move on to the creed. So Lutheranism 101, and we're going to dare to be Lutheran by confessing the creed. And when we talk about the creed here, we're talking about the Apostles' Creed. Can I give a little commercial here first before we, yeah, uh, sure. before we do that? I know Pastor Moline has been working really hard to take all these Table Talk episodes and put them in podcast form. Can you tell, uh, can you tell the hearers where they can find those? Well, they're available on Apple Podcasts with iTunes. They're available on Google Podcasts. They're available on Stitcher. Uh, they're available on um, Spotify. They're available on wow. Anchor. All these places, you go to those places and look up Nebraska Table Talk, and every Sunday uh, a new episode goes up, and so they are available for your listening pleasure in that way. And and under the category of Lutheranism 101, that's when we started our discussion of Luther's small catechism, uh, specifically the Ten Commandments. The first 41 episodes are covering the Ten Commandments. And so today, what we're talking right here is episode 42. So it'll still be under that broad category of Table Talks, Lutheranism 101, but today we're going to make the shift into the creed. Yeah. So thanks yeah. for giving me a minute or two to oh, absolutely. to tell people. Yeah, thank you for doing that. That's, that's very helpful. So the commandments, you know, uh, all three uses, you know, when you look at the small catechism, all three uses are emphasized in the small catechism. I don't know if people have noticed this very often, but that's true. All three uses. And, uh, of course, primary use is second use. Show us our sin. And this is why Luther orders the catechism in the way he does, the chief parts in a certain way. So the law shows us our sin. The commandments show us our sin. And now the gospel is given, and the gospel is faithfully confessed in the Apostles' Creed, where we confess who God is and what he does and has done for us. You know, in June, not too long ago, in a galaxy far, far away, no, uh, we we celebrated Trinity Sunday on June 16th. You know, that's been a long time ago. But uh, in that, and I, I said in my sermon uh, that day that you know Trinity Sunday trumps Father's Day. Normally, I uh, I preach a Father's Day sermon on Father's Day and extol the vocation of fatherhood. But uh, you know, this past June 16th, I told my congregation. Because they're used to me preaching on these topics on these specific days. I told my congregation, you know, boy, it's Trinity Sunday and, and Trinity Trump's Father's Day. So come back next year and I'll preach a Father's Day sermon, I promise. But my point is this. We like to preach about Jesus here. So. <laughs> well, you know, I tell you, see, we're back to what we talked about last week, gentlemen. See, people are going to leave your church and go to the Brian Church because you guys are refusing to talk about very things, vocational issues that need to be addressed. You know, fathers. Teach your children God's word. Do not exasperate them, etc. Do that. Exhibit, if you will, fathers, who God the Father is in your life. But that's all another topic. Well, so to self-justify myself, you'll have to check out my sermon for Father's Day. Good. Actually, the week after, that was on the... Um, What's the Nebraska District television program called Main Street oh, Living? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll just have to watch that one. Uh, it's on their website. You can check it out and tell me if... If that made sense, it was well, I'm sure after Father's I'm Day. sure that what you did is what every faithful preacher would do: is if you preach that vocational topic that day, then you will you will you will preach Christ as the one who mediates between sinners, 
And so we've all, you know, generally speaking, we've all had fathers who sin. And some people have had worse fathers than some of us. Uh, we, some people have really been hurt by their fathers. And they've been sinned against by their fathers. And so Jesus must be preached to mediate between sinners. And his blood must be proclaimed and applied. So, yeah, when you say you preach Jesus, that's exactly what you did, I'll bet, didn't you? I tried my best. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So we weren't disagreeing at all. <laughs> but that's how you do it. That's how you do it. You see, for someone to say, well, you can't preach a Father's Day sermon because, you know, the, the, that's nonsense. We'd better be doing it. I think we should be doing this. You know, my goodness, in the culture in which we live, we should be extolling the vocation of fatherhood, motherhood, what it means to be a parent. You know, I'll mention a name, uh, Mother's Day in May. I listened to a sermon by a pastor up at Zion Lutheran Church in Omaha, Nebraska. It was absolutely magnificent. He did both of what we were just talking about. Now, the creed. Uh, Creed comes from the Latin creda, which means I believe. Now, those of you who are objecting, you know, well, the creed, that's just the words of a man. And, you know, creeds, not the Bible. You hear this all the time in the United States. The Bible, no creeds. Well, folks, I got news for you. There are creeds in the New Testament and the Old Testament. Do you realize that, folks? There are. Because creed means I believe, or credo, I believe. Or let's put put it this way. The Apostles' Creed, the Nicene Creed, the Athanasian Creed are just simply faithful summaries or confessions of what God teaches about himself and what he's done for us in his word. If If you just picked up what I just threw down, the creeds do not replace the scriptures. We don't equate the creeds with scripture but the creeds faithfully confess what the scriptures teach. So if anybody ever says, creeds, not the Bible, well, we're not saying that it replaces the Bible. So just take a deep breath, relax for a minute. Come on, relax, relax. And secondly, you know, there are summaries of the scripture in the scripture. Do you realize that, folks? For example, Adam, you probably got all this called up on your computer already. You're probably way ahead of me. What, Deuteronomy 6? Do you have that up on your screen? I do not, but uh, you know exactly what I'm talking I, about. Lord your God, I'm one. Or uh, hero is hero is the, the, the Lord our God. The Lord is one. That is that is a creed, folks. And if you watch the uh, the movie, the Ten Commandments movie with uh, Charlton Heston, the Cecil B. DeMille classic, as they are marching out of Israel or out of Egypt with their plunder. What are the people of God chanting as they go? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. They are giving praise and glory and honor, confessing their faith in the one true God, as opposed to the pantheon of Egyptian gods, um, giving him praise and glory and uh, quoting right out of God's word. You know, I forgot about that. I'm glad you raised that point. Now, was Cecil B. DeMille a Jew? Do you know? I, I do not know. I wonder I if he was. And I'll bet he, well, let's just assume that he is for the sake of the discussion so he would know exactly what we're talking about here. Sure. Now, I, I'm, I'm saying this specifically because we live in the United States of America, and Lutheranism is not the uh, uh, number one Christian church body in this country. Instead, you know, most Protestants will not speak a creed ever. Because they'll say, the Bible only, no no creeds here, no man-made words, just the Bible. And, and see, this is a false distinction. This is a false dichotomy. Because what I'm teaching you here from Deuteronomy 6 is you have a summary of who God is. He is one, one God. 
and he is for Israel and for you. So God's just not God. He's God for you. Trust in him, etc. But he's one. Okay, Not denying the Trinity here, but God is one. Okay, So that's an example from Scripture itself that you have a summary of the Scriptures within the Scriptures, or a creed, what you believe, credo. Another example is 1 Corinthians 15. Now, I hope this is helpful for people so that they can, they can help their Protestant brothers and sisters who make these false dichotomies. Okay, 1 Corinthians 15, Paul says, Moreover, brethren, I declare to you the gospel which I preach to you, which you also received, and in which you stand, and by which also you're saved, if you hold fast that word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. Now, verse 3, For I delivered to you first of all, now, this is going to sound just like the Apostles' Creed, folks. Isn't this amazing? Listen carefully. Verse 3. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 3. For I delivered to you, first of all, that which I also received, that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. So That sounds just like one of the creeds, doesn't it? Died, buried, rose. By the way, I would love to do a study. I'm not going to do this now because I'm not prepared. I'm just, I'm just going to make an observation. I find this fascinating, that the buried part is here in 1 Corinthians 15, and then it's picked up and confessed in the, the Apostles' Creed. Buried. Uh, that's, that's a, this is for another day. Uh, you know, Usually this is rarely spoken of, except for maybe if you have an Easter vigil service on uh, Easter. You know, Easter Eve, if you will. Then maybe the burial part gets preached. But again, here's my the overall point. Go ahead, Adam. No, I, I'm going to make a different point, so you should finish yours first. Okay, so <laughs> the overall point I'm making here is, is that we're going to confess, we're going to learn from the Apostles' Creed, which is a faithful confession and summary of what the Scriptures teach about God, who he is and what he does and has done. And for people who make this false dichotomy and say, no creeds, just the Bible. I just want to show them that there are summaries <laughs> or creeds, if you will, faithful ones in the scriptures itself. Deuteronomy 6 is an example. 1 Corinthians 15 is an example. There are others, but maybe that's where you were headed. Well, and I want to say, as growing up in a church that said um, no creed but the Bible, all the stuff that's in the creeds is from the scriptures. And even this 1 Corinthians 15 passage says, according to the scriptures, yeah. it's written at such time when it's talking about those things, it's talking about the Old Testament, right? Where is it that we learned about Jesus? First and foremost, we learned about him in the Old Testament. He's the main idea, the main topic of all that Old Testament stuff. And so he's crucified according to the scriptures, meaning the Old Testament taught it. He's buried according to the scriptures, meaning the Old Testament taught that. He is raised from the dead according to the scriptures, meaning the Old Testament taught that. And you see that throughout the pages, all these things where we get a very clear picture of who Jesus is going to be. Uh, and even now it's looking back who he was and is. So Yeah, Luke 24 comes to mind when Jesus does that Bible study with the Emmaus disciples. Yeah, all these right. things. Yeah. The Moses the prophets, the Psalms. Cecil B. DeMille was a Christian. He was, okay. He was a Christian. And you were the, looking uh, it up, yeah. His right. first, uh, his first uh, major film direction was King of Kings, Biography of Jesus of Nazareth, acclaimed for its sensitivity, reached more than 800 million viewers. Uh, 1932, he followed it up with The Sign of the Cross. Um, 
and did these epic biblical things. And uh, just reading through here, he he won lots of awards from the Jewish community because his movies depicted Jews as real people. And favorably. And favorably, and not as the, the way the rest of the world was depicting Jews. So that's why uh, he got a lot of Jewish awards and all that, but uh, was Christian. His mom was Jewish, because I had looked it up, too, <laughs> a few minutes ago. His mom was Christian, so was he, or sorry, Jewish. His mom was Jewish, and so was his scriptwriter and his literary agent. In any event, they knew their Bible. They did. They knew their Bible. That's the bottom line. There. Yeah, and that's why you have that, Which why you brought that up. All right, so other examples. I said there. Let me give you. You can look this up on your own. Other examples of what I was just talking about. Not only Deuteronomy six four and First Corinthians fifteen verses three to four, but also Philippians two verses five to eleven, First Timothy three verse sixteen, and First Peter three verses eighteen to twenty two. Those are examples of what I'm talking about. There, there are many creedal type statements in the scriptures. And I think sometimes we pass over them. We don't. We don't uh, pause and think of the significance. The the uh, Philippians two and confessing the two natures of Christ, confessing the humiliation and exaltation of Christ, is especially good. That's yeah, just great stuff. Well, we got to take a break. So come back, folks. Fasten your seatbelts because we're going to talk some more about this. You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. All right, welcome back to Table Talk, your healthy theological radio addiction. You know, folks, did you know that at the time of the Reformation, the Apostles' Creed had been divided into 12 parts? And most people don't know that. I did know that. That was a tradition that they were trying to ascribe one particular line or one statement in the Apostles' Creed to each of the 12 apostles to give it more authority and divine authorship and all that kind of stuff. You know, that's about all I know. What I, what comes to mind is, do you guys know which, which line of the Apostles' Creed was attributed to Judas Iscariot? And <laughs> 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 descended into hell, maybe? I don't yeah. know. <laughs> I'd like to know that. But, but uh, s- still people to this day, when you say Apostles' Creed, people will say, well, the Apostles must have written it then. And so I wanted to make that clear. It's no, a very common yeah, misunderstanding. The Apostles didn't write it. <laughs> it's just a summary of what the Apostles taught in the Scriptures. And it is anonymous. We have no idea who wrote it. Yeah. But it is a faithful exposition, confession, uh, same saying back to God, what God's Word says. That's why uh, faithful Christians for... Uh, well over 1500 uh, century or 15 centuries have confessed the apostles creed i was going to say it's matthias that they count oh you look so it they've up? already replaced judas at that point oh i see how about so, that okay yeah. well my goodness sake judas right. you're out of here yeah he was out. well you know just for the sake of discussion so the apostles creed faithfully teaches and confesses what the apostles taught in the new testament 
And uh, just check this out, folks. For example, conceived by the Holy Spirit. Isn't that what the New Testament teaches? Of course it does. Born of the Virgin Mary. Isn't that what this? Of course it does. Suffered under Pont. Read your Bible. Did Jesus suffer under Pont? Yeah, he did. Did, uh, did he die? Yeah. Was he buried? Yeah. Did he rise from the third? Yeah. So again, I, I mean, I'm beating this horse to make the point. And I hope you're getting a headache so that you'll, be, you'll remember it. The creed is faithfully confessing what the scripture teaches. All right. Now, so we, you, you, we think from the best evidence that we have is that the Apostles' Creed most likely originated in the city of Rome. And this was used by the Roman Christians in Rome to teach people who God is as they would prepare for holy baptism. And they would actually confess it at their baptism. And then they would continue to confess it all of their life as they would live in and from their baptism because they're baptized in the triune name, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. So the exact date, we don't know for sure, but the best evidence we have is that the Apostles' Creed is the Western baptismal creed that originated most likely in the city of Rome. There are some wonderful historical studies that are done, and uh, I don't know the guy's first name, but a gentleman by the name of Schaff. Schaff has uh, written a a set of history books with regard to the history of the creeds. Is that James L. Schaff, I believe? I would have to look it up. You've got the internet all the time. Look it up. Come on, let's go. But uh, for for people that are really interested or curious about this, uh, these books are wonderful, and they they are um, very well researched. Kelly's another one. J.N.D. Kelly who's also done a lot of work on the creeds as well. So, so there are, there are uh, people who have done the historical hard work and give you the data and all that. We, we, bottom line is we just don't know. But we do know that they are faithful in their exposition and confession of what God's Word says. Now, the Nicene Creed, which, which Christians normally confess on a communion Sunday, you know, that's the normal tradition. And it's interesting with the Nicene Creed, does the same thing, confesses what the scriptures teach. However, there was a reason why the Nicene Creed, so is the, 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 let me back up, the Apostles' Creed, helping people prepare for holy baptism so that they know who the one true God is in three persons, Father, etc. But the Nicene Creed was written for, for another reason. Of course, to faithfully confess the scriptures, but on which particular topic? Well, can you imagine, folks, if you can remember the, the Nicene Creed and compare it with the Apostles' Creed, there's a little bit more that's said about Jesus in the Nicene Creed. It's very specific what it says about Jesus. In other words, in the 4th century A.D., there was, a, there was a controversy going on about who Jesus is. Did you find out the guy's name, Schaff? Well, uh, no, but I, there... It says Dr. Schaff. Oh, okay. Well, we'll, we'll leave <laughs> it at the, that. But the work of his is available for free online ah. at uh, ccel.org. Public domain. Okay. Yes. All right. Uh, I was talking about the Nicene Creed. So let me give you an example. Philip. Philip. There we go. Okay. All right. So, for example, Nicene Creed. We believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, only begotten Son of God. Now, notice this language. Begotten of his Father, before all worlds. See, that's not in the Apostles' Creed. This is unique to the Nicene. Begotten of his Father before, and then God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, and then those of you remember? Not Not made. Not made. Uh, Being of one substance with the Father by whom all things were made. Now, I'm emphasizing this just for fun, 
as we begin our study, you know, in, in, of the small catechism and the Apostles' Creed, but I can't help myself. This is just too, too rich. Too delicious. It really too is. Juicy. It is. It's way too delicious. So in the fourth century, you have false teachers. Jehovah's who, Witnesses. They're the Jehovah's Witnesses of <laughs> the fourth they're century. The, they're right. the precursors of the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, quite frankly. So. Yes, that's right. And so I'll just throw out a name of one of the most prominent false teachers in the fourth century. His name was Arius, spelled A-R-I-U-S. Arius taught, uh, now for the sake of time, two fundamental errors about Jesus. Number one, that Jesus is not God. Did you hear what I just said? Arius taught that Jesus is not God, but he's like God. Okay, Not God, but like God. And another fundamental error that he taught is that Jesus was the first of all God's creation, or the foremost of all God's. That is to say, Arius taught that Jesus was a created being, like you and I are. So a small g God, but not a capital G God. And there are many people in our world today uh, that have some basic misunderstandings about who Jesus is, and they would fall right into this Aryan, Aryan camp or this Aryan theology or teaching, thinking that Jesus was a moral man, was a great teacher, but not divine in any way, shape, or form. And so this, this lingers with us today, and it is heartbreaking when you have people who have been in the Christian church for many, many years, and you hear them talk like an Aryan. But even uh, when I, this is before I was Lutheran, when I was a kid and I went to the confirmation type class. And you came that, back to Holy Mother Church. Well, when I was a kid, <laughs> I was taught that Jesus was just a man who was possessed by the Holy Spirit at his baptism. And that when he gave up his spirit on the cross, Mr. God abandoned yeah. him. Yeah. 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 So these things are still taught uh, in Nebraska in so-called in, Christian churches. In so-called Christian so, churches. So, all right. Before you, you became a Lutheran and you were a kid growing up, where, what what are you talking about? What denomination? I was in the Disciples of Christ growing up. Okay, UCC Disciples of Christ. Is that correct? Well, yep, yep. They're they're not the same denomination, but they basically believe the same. Yeah, things. they're they're in fellowship together, and uh, they're they're those congregations are alive and well in in Nebraska. Okay, and the um, uh, the. I wanted to say this before, but this is a perfect opportunity. Uh, the Disciples of Christ is known for its mantra, deeds, not creeds. Not creeds. Yes. No Thank creed you. but the Bible. Yeah. 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 So, so you grew up with that. How ironic. I didn't know that. How delicious that is. Now, I think, if you're again, if you're picking up what I've been throwing down here, folks, now I think you begin to see how important the creed is as it faithfully confesses the biblical teaching, in particular about Jesus here, what we're talking about now, the Nicene Creed. So, for example, back to Arius. Arius' false teachings about Jesus spread throughout the entire Roman Empire. That means almost the entire known world at that time. And most of the bishops became Arians. Can you imagine this? That's not an exaggeration. So for the sake of the discussion, let's say... 80% 80% or more of the bishops at this time were Arians, which were teaching that Jesus is not God. He's just like God, and he's an actual creature that God made, the first one, like, like we're creatures. Now, that's not true. 
And so, so the, finally, you know, all this rancor and arguing about who Jesus is in, among the Christians in the Christian church, finally the emperor says, you know what, why don't you guys get your act together, and I'm, we're going to hold a church council, and you guys are going to get this straightened out. And thanks be to God, <laughs> the biblical faith was confessed around 325, and then later in the 4th century, this is where you get the Nicene Creed. And again, I want to repeat, so when, the next time, folks, you confess the Nicene Creed, and you confess who you believe Jesus is, notice the only, notice, begotten Son of God, confessing the scriptural teaching that Jesus is not a creation, but begotten of the Father. John 3.16 language. Yes, yes. And then notice, begotten of his Father before all Worlds, which is to say, Jesus existed before creation ever came to, into account. He is, as John says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and through him all things have been created. But again, back to the creed. Jesus is God of God, light of God, light, and then notice this very specific language that contradicts the Arian false teaching. Very God, a very God, begotten not made, and being of one substance with the Father. It's worth mentioning uh, that uh, you, you talked about many of the bishops were some of the famous ones, too. Eusebius of Nicomedia, who was the uh, great early church historian and also the pastor to Constantine the Great, was very likely an Arian. Uh, he did sign the... Uh, uh, the documents from the Council of Nicaea in 325, but only uh, after much hesitation, and he's quoted as saying uh, he confessed that with his hand but not with his heart. Um, and so this was a big issue, and even uh, Constantine the Great's children and grandchildren tried to convert the Roman Empire to Arianism instead of Christianity. And so there's this big, huge history back then of Arianism being uh, arisen. And luckily, we had a great confessing church that spoke the truth in the face of these false teachings and believed the scriptures rather than these teachings from men. And if my memory serves, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but wasn't Athanasius part of this whole discussion? He he was, uh, and in fact, Athanasian he was Creed exiled. is not written by Athanasius, but actually is a reflection of the uh, true confession of faith that he put forward in the face of these false teachings, and so it's in the spirit of Athanasius. Right. And the uh, the uh, this history that we've been talking about here with these ecumenical creeds and these councils, um, the uh, Council of Nicaea, yeah, Council of Nice, Nice, in uh, 325, Constantinople in 361, 311 was Nice. Nice and Nicaea are different places, though. Right? Okay, but the Nicene Creed came out of Nicaea, Nicaea, which, Nicaea. Oh, which actually just recently, archaeologically, they found the church that it probably met in. It's underneath the sea now because the water level rose and the ground sank in an earthquake. So they found the foundations of the churches there. It's, you can look it up. Chalcedon in uh, 451, uh, the seven ecumenical councils. This history is amazing. And, you know, to me, most 20, 21st century Christians, we think it's just me and Jesus the last 20 years, the last 50 years. <laughs> and to, to look at this uh, 2,000-year history of Christianity and to see the struggles that our brothers and sisters in Christ went through before us, the struggles on denying the faith, on not confessing God's word in its truth and purity. Those pressures have always been with us, yeah. and they will always be with us. This reminds me, as we're running out of time, when Jesus asked his disciples, but who do you say that I am? 
And that's precisely the struggle of the church from day one. Who do you say that I am? In the fourth century, you are God of God, very God of very God, etc. And we must continue to confess that because that's what salvation is about. Okay, we'll talk to you again. In the meantime, stay Lutheran, my friends.